What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We did not have an interview, but we had something better because Steve Denovi is back, and we get back to covering the sport of powerlifting, more specifically the USAPL and IPF. Uh, we don't have any breaking news. We just give a lot of our thoughts and opinions on the whole situation of the nomination process from the USAPL going into IPF Worlds. Uh, everything that you guys know is pretty much what we know. Uh, what was sent to on that email from Larry Malley, the president of the USAPL, and we just give our thoughts on that. Um, whether or not the IPF loses prestige if the U.S. is not involved in IPF Worlds, uh, if we're optimistic or pessimistic on whether or not the USAPL is going to be involved in IPF Worlds, if... You know, it's good or bad if the USAPL leaves the IPF. You guys probably know our opinions on that, but that's pretty much just our rants and opinions and thoughts going forward with IPF World. We also talk about the pro invitational that is taking place in Virginia. We had Saber on in a past podcast. A lot have seen has picked up since then. Some of the roster is released, not all of it. We talk about just what we have seen so far, our thoughts on it. Uh, lifters poking holes in it. Again, lots of our thoughts, lots of opinions on that. And also, we end the episode with some developments that was mentioned in the email. And I think a lot of people might have overlooked it, which is the potential date change of Raw Nationals, or not even Raw Nationals, perhaps another Super Nationals that will take place in summer. And our thoughts about that, because I think a lot of people have mixed point of views on that. And we try to shed light on why the USAPL would like to do that and why... um both of us might be on board with that, so uh, tune into the later parts of the episode to find out why, but before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com, go to their Instagram page, make sure you're giving them the follow, and check out the merchandise that they are dropping. They have the best, the most fresh designs in powerlifting right now. They constantly come up with new ideas, new ways to make you look good in the gym, outside the gym, on the platform. Leffler Bros has you covered. They keep on coming out with new t-shirts, dad hats. They even got socks now, which look fantastic. It's actually a favorite of mine to squat in because it's really easy getting those knee sleeves on with those high socks. And they look fantastic. Use promo code 2WL15 at checkout to save yourself some money. The best powerlifting discount code in the sport, 2WL15, to get yourself some Leffler Bros merchandise. Also, if it doesn't get any better than that, they also got two White Lights merchandise as well on LeftLarBros.com. So if you go to LeftLarBros.com, you're going to get yourself some amazing Bros merchandise and at the same time, amazing two White Lights merchandise as well. And use that same exact promo code 2WL15. Also, make sure you're going to RivalNutrition.net and get yourself some informed choice supplements. Use promo code Angelo20 to get yourself some informed choice supplements. reason why I mentioned it, no banned substances in their supplements. So use promo code Angelo20 to save yourself some money on those supplements. Also, go to lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. I love Stoic gear because it is the best, most affordable powerlifting equipment in the game right now. I am not exaggerating, and a lot of people have expressed to me how much they love Stoic gear. It is growing, and for good reason, because they have quality knee sleeves, singlets, wrist wraps, belts, Use promo code ANGELO10 on lift.net to save yourself some money on Stoic gear. It's already affordable, but with that promo code ANGELO10, you will save yourself some more money. 
Also, make sure you're getting on Notorious Lift, NotoriousLift.com. Follow them on Instagram. Check out the drops. They are coming out with amazing drops coming up. Really, really great drops. And we got a promo code for you. And 15, and 15 will be live on all those drops. So use that promo code to save yourself some money. They have some fantastic, fantastic no slip drip deadlift slippers, and they are continuously coming out with more and more designs, more and more colorways. You can go on Notorious Lift and maybe see if they have some available, but those drops are important. Make sure you're on those drops. Sign up for their newsletter. Make sure you're following on Instagram. Even on my Instagram, I'm going to post the countdowns whenever they have a drop coming up because you do not want to miss out on some of these designs and colorways that you are going to get with Notorious Lift No Slip Drippers. Your slippers, of course, you're going to deadlift fantastic with these slippers, but you're also going to look good doing it, and that is just as important. So make sure you're doing that. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We are available on our website as well, twowhitelights.com. Leave a five-star rating or review. Those are so important for Two White Lights. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It is Thursday, July 15th, and I am reunited with Steve Denovi. It's been a long time, man. Yeah, it's been well over a month because you've been rolling, rocking and rolling with all of these interviews um, post-nationals, so... Uh, but those have slowed down a little bit. We've had some awesome ones. I've been trying to catch up on them myself. Um, but we got some fun coming up and we got some good topics. I know we got a TBS, uh, prime time meet coming up. We're going to be covering soon and some other topics. I know we kind of talked about possibly doing some fun little sports analogy thing again. We'll see, but either way, definitely have some news today. We have a couple things to go over because after raw nationals, there's been some, some updates with, IPF stuff with meets upcoming with next year's national. So we've got some topics. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we interviewed so many people who won raw nationals or even people who are going to get probably a spot in the USAPL, uh, the nominations for IPF worlds. But since raw nationals, since I've talked to ev- since I talked to a lot of those lifters who won their weight classes, it is still very unsure <laughs> if they are going to Raw National, I mean, uh, IPF Worlds, um, if the IPF will take the USAPL's nominations. And that was a question going into Nationals. And it's starting to look more and more bleak. As time goes on, there's still no word on the, uh, on the invitations. I could say just for attending that board meeting, uh, the National Board Meeting, there just hasn't been any sort of communication between the USAPL and IPF between Larry and Gaston at all uh, before that and even after that as well. So when people ask me for update, updates, that's the update is they just haven't really been able to. The USAPL has tried, but there's just been no negotiations from this going forward, including that drug testing, uh, the new drug testing policy. Yeah. 
So, I mean, we, we had a couple updates because USAPL posted a press release and then they did an email update of kind of what's going on. I mean, in my opinion, I'm going to, I'll kind of cover what those talk about. In my opinion, if I was a betting man, I'd be strongly betting that we will not be going to IPF Worlds in any manner. Um, because what we did, it was kind of confusing. I think we all thought um, that initial press release was talking worlds, but it was actually talking about nominations for the NAPF Pan Americans, I believe it's called. That's oddly going to be in Orlando. So it's going to be in the U.S., but basically what the email stated was Larry emailed Gaston saying, hey, can we have nominations accepted? And Gaston, it says, answered that with a question. It didn't state what the question was, but I think we can reasonably assume the question was, are you going to start following the drug testing protocol we want you to? And so the answer to that question is no. So therefore, the answer to are we accepting your nominations was no. So I just can't imagine that the IPF World's nominations is going any different. Like, that seemed like a pretty blatant way to answer. If I'm going to answer with a question, it's pretty much no. If you don't change your drug testing protocols, we're not accepting nominations. And I think, maybe you can correct this. I, I, I tried to look notion from i believe i thought saw somewhere that it's by the end of july that we have to submit nominations and that's the cutoff or something yeah i thought i might be wrong on that. it was june 26 i believe for the napf and then july 26 for ipf worlds i could be wrong on that as well but that's i don't know the date for ipf it was definitely it was definitely june 26 for napf yeah i just thought i saw somewhere end of july-ish time for ipf world Halfway through July, and there's no update. I mean, I like I said, I would love. I, it sucks because there are some lifters who I, I they missed out. I mean, all of them I feel bad for if they miss out on this because they want to go. But like, there's some like I mean, Keiko. I would be devastated for Keiko if he doesn't get to go after two years of getting it pulled away from him. There's definitely some others. I'm sorry for leaving other people out, but there's just it would suck. It would suck because yeah. even if we leave IPF this year, we were not leaving the IPF. We are within good standing. And I don't think we're going to go into all the. We've, I think we've already stated our opinions on uh, what we think of the situation with what USAPL is doing, and I think we are pro USAPL of what they are doing, um, and I think they are very validly following what the IPF wants. I think we have we are drug testing more people through a third party at any other country by far. Um, but yeah, it just, it, I don't think it's looking good. I, I I don't see us going to IPF Worlds, and we're going to get into the pro meet for Virginia a little bit later. I kind of took I saw a lot of people signed up for that that are supposedly going to Worlds, and I wonder how many of them signed up for that as the contingency plan, knowing that Worlds probably isn't happening. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that as well, and I would be on the same boat with you. I. Um I, I'm a little bit pessimistic right now as far as USAPL being IPF uh, at being at IPF Worlds. Uh, I know it's gonna, it's going to hurt a lot of lifters, and I think everyone knows my standpoint on this. Uh, but I always kind of just adjust my standpoint based on what lifters want. And right now, the lifters in the USAPL for the most part would still like to compete internationally. Um, and it does suck for them. You did mention Keiko, and that would. That would devastate me the most because I know he he was one of the guys, a lot of, like some of the other people on there who's never competed at IPF Worlds, where I think some of the other competitors are just like, okay, well, you know, uh, they competed at IPF Worlds before. They have backup meets in mind. 
it's it, it holds value for certain lifters uh, a little bit more so, and I think Keiko is one of them. Uh, and then especially people, if it's your first time doing it, that's what a lot of lifters tell me. It's your first time doing it, you really want to compete at IPF Worlds, but if it's your you know third or fourth time through, it's not as big of a motivator. Uh, Taylor Atwood even called it overrated uh, in his interview, uh, you know, as far as just what he thinks of the IPF. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. I do know a lot of lifters who like to still compete internationally, but this is the interesting thing that developed. (laughs) When it was announced that it was going to be in Belarus, so many lifters did not want to go. And the IPF did... I mean, to, to their credit, a smart thing, even though it was way too late to... to I mean, I, I don't think it should have been in Belarus in the first place. They announced it being in Sweden. And that's what turned USAPL lifters. Because very few of them wanted to go to Belarus in mm-hmm. general. Because, especially the people who have been there, done that, done IPF Worlds, went to Belarus uh, and, knew, and knew how dangerous of a situation it was. They were not motivated really to go to Belarus. The IPF changed it to Sweden. Of course, during our Nationals week when we're going to send people to Nationals, uh, a bit of a PR move in my opinion. People have told me otherwise, but you can't convince me otherwise that that wasn't a a PR move or a strategic thing to be like, oh, we're going to be in Sweden. Now if you win Raw Nationals, you have a very safe place to go, a place that you probably want to go to and compete against the world's best. And... Then more USAPL lifters have the motivation to do IPF Worlds because I think a lot of people just were not totally okay with it being in Belarus and very, very few U.S. competitors were going to go. So the fact that it's in Sweden has definitely you know, kind of created that sentiment within the USAPL that they want to go to IPF Worlds. Um, and, yeah, I just I, – I really I, – I really don't see it happening – and people still do value that international competition, but it's just uh, it's it's going to be reliant on that drug testing policy. That's going to be the drop dead issue between the USAPL and IPF. If the IPF, if the USAPL decides to leave, it is going to be because the US because of the drug testing policy. At that board meeting, that was the drop dead issue that every single executive board bought up was the drug testing. And if they could compromise that, I strongly believe the USAPL is definitely going to be within the IPF. Even with the other issues that they have, the USAPL does not a lot does not like a lot of does not like a lot of things that the IPF does. But that one is going to be the drop dead issue if you know they do decide to leave. And I think if they do not go to IPF Worlds, I think that relationship is over. I think shortly after that's when it's done. Well, I think IPF Worlds pretty much. If we aren't invited to IPF Worlds, that pretty much solidifies it. Which that's just that sounds like a high school thing to like. Instead of just saying I don't want to be your friend anymore, let's cut ties. You're just gonna like dragging it on, and then just not invite them to the cool kids party, and then just kind of like say nana nana boo boo. But we're gonna get to it in a second. I think USAPO went nana nana boo boo right back, and mm-hmm. we might have an even more competitive meet. And we're throwing an even cooler kids party, and so now it's just some it's just some weird like high school thing versus I I don't know I I at this I mean well in all honesty it's, though it's pretty you... close to someone just needs to say we're kicked out or we're leaving like it, it let's just decide yeah well no for sure and then also on the just on the I, US... I think if we I think if we were it was still in Belarus that would be an easier decision 
Exactly. It like would you be, said, if it, this was still in Belarus, I think at this point, like, just screw it, we're out. Since it's in Sweden, I can get that we're trying to hang on because that is an appealing thing for our people to want to go. But if it was Belarus, I would say at this point, we just, like, cut it and let that, we're out. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. The, like, that was the, that was a very good move on the IPF part, even though it should have never been in Belarus. The situation has not changed since the last time they were there. It, I mean, I don't care if you re-up going to Sweden. I, and I understand the venues are hard to book, but just do it. Like, that's best for all the lifters, not just the American ones. Every single lifter under the IPF umbrella. If you guys care about the lifter, you do not have a meet where there's a civil war happening. Please, for the love of God, don't do that ever again, IPF. Just, I, I don't think, it's not in their mission statement that they do things for the lifter. They do things for IOC recognition. But, Please, just have some wherewithal to never have it in Belarus or any other country that has a civil war going on. But we, we discussed that many times uh, over. But, I mean, on the USAPL side either, you can't be surprised about this, right? Because, I mean, there's a series of Instagram posts, series of just them explaining why they have tons of issues with the IPF and why... There has been turmoil between the two. I get that they're informing lifters, but also, if you do that, you have to pay the piper, and knowing that if IPF Worlds happens, IPF is probably going to use that against you. Use what you said against you, and they are not going to set nominations based on that, and they're just going to be... They're going to stand their ground just as much uh, within this scenario. So if they have a, they have, if they have a, you know, a, a bargaining chip... That's what the IPF is using right now, and I don't think if you're in the USAPL, especially me, I'm not surprised. But I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those people who really thinks we should stay in the IPF, regardless of the drug testing policy. That's just my own selfish view. If they do figure it out, then I'm totally cool with them staying in the IPF. But that's the- and I was actually on before we did the podcast with Joe and Marcellus. I was actually kind of on the side of like I don't think we should leave the IPF. Like let's see if we can figure this out. The more this has happened. I'm all for let's go. Let's get out. Mm-hmm. And honestly, here, here's one of the biggest things. I'll, here's some numbers. Steve going numbers. I'm going to go into this drug testing issue. They want us to do third-party testing for everyone. But the, the, the difference is we are on a completely different scale than any other country. We have something like, I think, I'm, I'm going to throw out some numbers. These are probably not going to be perfectly accurate. We have about 20,000 members. Uh, let's say 20,000 people compete. Is it fair to say about 2,000 national-level competitors? Would you say that's a good number of sure. those 20,000? Yeah. Whether, whether it's between a raw, let's say 2,000. Yeah. yeah. 2,000, let, let's use that number. might even be a little bit high. That's about the number of lifters from most countries Yeah. who are trying to say we have some type of, of conspiracy drug scandal where we're hiding all of our stuff. So for those who don't know, because this still seems to be like an argument where people don't get this, we do third-party testing according to IPF rules for our national and world-level lifters. The OMT's level lifters are through a third party that's water-approved, and all of our national testing at national meets are water-approved through a third party. I don't, we don't know numbers for 2020 and 2021 because in 2019, we did 700... 700-something tests for those 2,000 national-level lifters. That was more than double of the second biggest country. So we're doing 700 tests for 2,000 lifters, and then 
thousand lifters that just do local level meets. We then drug test 10% of them in house with a incense lower level test that's less expensive because the scale we are testing at is not anywhere near the other countries. It's like telling us like, okay, the NBA, not only does the NBA, the people that go in the Olympics need to be water tested, all college kids need to be water tested and all high school athletes need to be water tested, which would just be asinine. Like you can't do that at that scale. Like that's, those lifters are not ever going to be anywhere near the Olympics. You only test Olympic level caliber athletes. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I had to break that down because I've been on a rant about that lately because how many people think we're in some massive drug conspiracy of hiding tests. We are literally testing our elite level lifters more than any other country. Yeah, I feel like we're going to beat a dead horse here, but it is. It, I, I think you just have to bring it up in this circumstance because this is the issue that's surrounding it. This is the issue surrounding USAPL and IPF. And really, in this situation, in, in accepting the invites, I can understand both sides. I can understand the USAPL and attending that board meeting. It, it's one thing. They do not want to make the platform dirty, and they do not want to compete against dirty lifters on a dirty platform. That is what occasionally happens when you go to IPF Worlds. You are occasionally competing with dirty lifters and becoming a dirty platform because they don't drug test as many lifters as us. That's what happens when you go to those meets. So they don't want to bring that into America and make our platform dirty and have a potential of local meets becoming a dirty platform, quote-unquote. But I also understand the IPF standpoint of, like, we're not even accepting your nominations if you're not going to do the things that you want that we want you to do. I'm sorry, all these other countries have done it, and if you're not doing it, then you're not going to be part of IPF Worlds. I actually understand that. I really can't hate too much of the IPF for that, even though if they're, say, they're looking out for the lifter, this is not what they're looking out for the lifter for. They're, They're doing it based on their own little standards here to get IOC recognition, which I think is a stupid fucking idea. That's my idea. That's my, that's my opinion on it. I've made that a very, very clear in the past. And that's what they're doing. Not for the lifter, for IOC recognition, and I could give two fucks about the IOC recognition. The, the thing now, I guess the question is coming, if the USAPL, United States lifters, especially in raw, let's, let's, let's make this distinction now, raw lifting, which is the most popular, is where the most eyes are in, within you know United States. Uh, and I, I don't know about, I'm not going to speak really on the world level, I, I don't know exactly, but I would assume so as well. How much prestige does IPF Worlds lose if the U.S. is not involved? Because I've th- seen people go back and forth on this the entire week, and it comes off at times as American arrogance, but I don't know how much you can argue that it will become a completely different meet if the United States is involved, and it really becomes it really becomes a meet almost less than... Nationals, uh, raw nationals, maybe not open nationals. Yeah, because I mean, there. Here's where some people I think get it gets muddied. There are some amazing lifters international, specifically on it, competitive against like the U.S. lifters, especially on the women's side. I mean, I'm, I might be missing some names, but you've got Leah, you've got uh, Anna, and you've got. Um, those four in particular are extremely competitive and most likely would beat American lifters on some occasion. The issue is, if you take away America, they really have no competition. Those lifters now just kind of walk away, for the most part, with their medals. And then on the men's side, I 100% would argue, I mean, like, Nationals is more on the men's side than it is at IPF Worlds. If you take the top three from most of our classes and take them to IPF Worlds, they're probably going to be 
three of the best four lifters there. I mean, I can only think of, I'm trying to think. I mean, you've got Ser- Sergei Fedosyenko at 59 kilo, who is going to be the best, but that's okay. At 66, we win pretty easily, I believe. At 74, we very easily win. Um, at 83, I think the top three would easily be top three at Worlds. At 93, you've got Gustav Hedlund. So that is pretty, that is that is uh, some competition there. And uh, Anatoly, I believe he's going up to 105 now. Mm-hmm. At 105, he's not nearly as competitive. And Ashton and Bryce probably walk away with it because I don't think coming back to the IPF. At 120, Dennis walks away with it every time. Um, and then I guess it, at the 120 plus, Jezza versus uh, Jesus, maybe a little bit of a battle, I think. That would be kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, like, even if you have some people there that are highly competitive, once you take away the U.S. lifters, now it's just like one person just kind of walks away with it. And the prestige, even though there's very good lifters and we're taking that away, the prestige goes away because the battles go away. Like, there's not really... I, I, I see most of the battles for first and second just not being there anymore. It's not just kind of a runaway winner. No, it's, no, it's, it's like it's like Amanda Lawrence at nationals. Yeah, like unfortunately, Amanda's unreal. She's the best lifter at nationals, but the prestige kind of her winning her weight class doesn't really carry over because it, she just kind of wins easily. Like it, it almost sometimes is more prestigious to win one of those other weight classes where there's close battle, just because it feels. Like it means something because you really had to beat someone. I, I I don't know if that came out right. I don't want to take any away from what it's it's it, it. When you win by so much, it kind of takes away the prestige of actual competition. Absolutely, no, it definitely does. And even just for me, going into IPF World is always the battle of one to two. It's not necessarily the battle for three through six because really the battles for three through six will be probably filled with American lifters. Right there's always that one person who could challenge an American lifter, uh, or, or there's, or typically there's, the, uh, especially recently, there's perhaps one person who could challenge each American lifters. But then you get into the field of things, and you get people from different countries. That's where the prestige lies in a meet. It's not from one to two; it's one through ten. And from raw nationals, one through ten is a whole lot more elite in male and female weight classes. In male and female weight classes, it is a whole lot more prestigious and a whole lot more of a, of a better meet to me than IPF Worlds. And IPF Worlds is not me really looking at lifters from outside of the top two. It's me looking at just the top two or perhaps top three. Raw Nationals isn't really like that. It's the looking lifters who can place, who can get top five, because you know you're going to have crazy like 520 dot scores from one to ten. Uh, that's, that's, to me, that, that's just the general landscape of IPF Worlds already. But now you remove America from the equation, it becomes less of that. And yeah, you will have people walk away with victories. Of course, you're going to have one to two really great meets. But I, I think the only way where you lose, uh, like where you can regain a prestige, is if you have lifters, even without the United States presence, are putting together numbers like Russell Orhe, are putting together like numbers like Taylor Atwood. I don't think they'll do it. But that's the only way I think it could regain prestige is because they can say, well, I'm just as good as that lifter in America because this is my meat and this is what I did. That's where I think they could regain some prestige in that. And like, it's just, you just know, like I, I use this example uh, with, with uh, people in the DMs. They're like, how do you lose prestige at a meet because you're always competing 
within the competition field that's given to you. For me, if I won Raw Nationals and Noriega and Russ bombed or got hurt, it's a token medal. That's what it is. It's a token medal because I know those guys are the best in the world. And that's who I have to beat. If they're not there, then it's like I'm not really a national champion. That should be the idea of IPF Worlds. If you win a gold medal without Taylor Atwood there, then you're not the best in the world and you know it. Yeah, and that combined, like, 100% that, and then combined with what I said, like, even, even at that, let's say Russ wins nationals, but no one else shows up in second place total 740 kilos. Like, is Russ's performance impressive? Yes, but is it like, is it like prestigious? No, I mean, well, not hold on, Steve, like hold on, Steve, relax. And putting up that total. Hold on, Steve, relax. Uh, uh, a world record total without other people competing there. <laughs> we don't want oh, that to yeah. happen again. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that, I, that, Maybe some people don't value competition. I do. Like I value yeah, the fact of course, that everyone does. put up an 843 total when he had people nipping at his heel. Like that is part as that is competition. If you're just doing that, might as well just go if you're doing it at like if you go to IPF Worlds and you out total everyone by 100 kilos, yeah, it's it's impressive. It's IPF Worlds you had to travel for it, but like it's not as prestigious if you're going head to head with someone and beating them. We 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 remember Hack versus Gibbs for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that's Hack versus Gibbs, winning that was more impressive, in my opinion, than Russ going this year, winning by 70 kilos and putting up a total higher than Hack versus Gibbs did. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I know. Oh, no, everyone everyone does remember that more. I, I've, I've, I could definitely be on agreement with you on this. And really, also, I mean, I guess because, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this later, but if you – or something similar to it later. But a lot of the times, I think even with the high-level competitors, it's just this looming thought of Sheffield. That's what's keeping a lot of, like, the IPF prestige going is looming thought of Sheffield. But then, even look at that meet. Look at that meet. Remove all American lifters from it. It's a good meet, of course. It's a very, very good meet with lifters who I really love to see – compete on an international scale but is it as good because if we're talking male and female which i don't know how they were giving up the prizes i think people still assume they're just giving two hundred thousand dollars out to like the best person that's it it's not working that way right no there was there was i believe there was going to be a prize for male and female best lifter male and female highest total which we called the Ray Williams Award at the time. Yeah. And then I think there was, like, some prizes based off if you set world record. Yeah. Okay, that's – yeah, they're not – so, again, they're, I think people think that they're just giving $200,000 away to one lifter, or two lifters, and it's not – I think it was, like, 50000 for, like, the best lifter. Yeah. It was, like, 50000 for the best lifter, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, we got, we got to make sure that people know that because I think that's getting uh, lost a little bit in translation there. But even with that, with that meet – for best overall lifter, was there going to be an international lifter winning that meet? I don't think so. No, maybe maybe while, while there. Well, I don't know now. With you know, she was at that time. She was going to walk away with it, Amanda. Amanda, well, Amanda and Danielle. Even, even Danielle now, was very much in the. Uh, I think I think Leah could could be in the picture if Amanda doesn't have a great meet. Okay, because Leah, what one nineteen 
1.89 IPS score or GL score. Uh, Amanda just went 118. So on the women's side, I think it could be competitive. Okay. With Amanda probably being the favorite. On the men's side, it's not competitive. Like, it's it, it's not competitive at all. Like, I think, like, Anatoly, has, take away Gibbs, because Gibbs, I don't think, is competing anymore, or at least is not competing anytime soon, because people always like to bring up Gibbs when we, like, be elitist about the men's side. Well, Gibbs hasn't competed in forever, and he's, I don't think he, I don't know if he's going to compete again. Anatoly has the second highest good lift score, or the highest good lift score from outside the U.S., and that's at 114, and Taylor went 123. Mm-hmm. Like, Anatoly is 11th in the U.S. based off a good lift score. Yeah, so you remove America from that meet, then it becomes a different meet. Of course, you know, the world records will be set. Uh, there'll be other great lifts going on. But, yeah, it will turn into this $200,000 overall what they're giving out meet in this grants. This is beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's 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 still, like, I still think the U.S. holds that chip. They hold, I mean, if you're, if you're using powerlifting, it's right. Like, they hold the, they hold the advantage over the IPF in this situation because that's, that's the reality of it. Like, it, it's, it's not... There is a point, because I have been accused of being arrogant, which, yes, of course, I'm, I'm not actually going to disagree with you on that one, but, um, and especially being American, of course we're arrogant, but we're speaking facts here. We have a country that values lifting weights. We lift weights to play other sports, and a lot of us go into weightlifting, so we have way more competitors within our massive, massive nation. And our nation is bigger than most of the people competing. So we have this huge nation competing raw. Of course we're going to have the best talent pool. Of course we are. It makes sense. And therefore, the prestige lies within us because we have the most amount of lifters on the raw side. I understand with equipped, it does become more of a battle and it does become more prestige and it's definitely split in between. But... Obviously, this podcast is skewed towards the raw, and really, not even this podcast. Most of media that people that people tune into powerlifting meets don't believe me. Look at the raw national stream, or actually, I keep on calling it raw nationals. Look at the national stream. That should tell you where the 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 interest lies within powerlifting. It's raw right now. That's why I'm speaking in raw terms. But yeah. And Sheffield, is there an equipped Sheffield? Yeah. I'm... No. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. There's no money in equipped. Right? There's, well, there's the well. You know, there isn't, but there is. There's the World Games. Yeah. But there's no money in the World's Games. I, I get the prestige of it because that's like that's the that's the closest we're going to get to the Olympics. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, we're in agreement there. I I am someone like I said, like I the opposite side of you when we started this argument like months ago and i have i have i have shifted to now i'm fully a u.s usapl elitist in the sense compared to the i'm i'm ready to get out of it because well i guess we, we talked about a different timeline or a different setup but it might just be right it might be the right time to go into it the reason i'm probably being an elitist about it is because of this pro division and not as it it's not just an idea, it is happening. Yeah. And it is happening December 4th with a roster and a setup that if we aren't at IPF Worlds, 
this is more competitive and I'll 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 say that. Not maybe more competitive thing, it's more competitive. If we are not at IPF Worlds, the December fourth pro meet roster is more competitive. And also just way more interesting. Way more interesting of a meet how it's set up. How the, the rules are being, uh, I mean, you guys, if you guys don't know how it's being set up, listen to the interview with Sabre and also follow USAPL Virginia to get the updates on what's going on. But this meet, when you look at the roster that is currently confirmed or people who have signed up, um, I, you know, we all know what happens when you sign up for a meet, don't know exactly what's going to happen once that meet rolls around, who's going to be there. But if you look at the list right now, people who signed up, as a spectator, as a fan, as a person just watching, you will not have anything that's boring in this meet. Maybe aside from my bench press. You will have the craziest competitors from 1 to, I think it's 28 competitors that are going to compete. And there's going to be no there's going to be no down time, really. There's going to be no boring aspect of it. You're going to start out with Heather Connor the best 47 kg lifter, one of the best female lifters in the world, and then you're going to end with Ray, uh, Ray Williams and Jesus Alaveras. Potentially. Not confirmed, but potentially. That's ridiculous. That's amazing. And then in between, that is incredible. You have Taylor Atwood in the middle. You have Russ Orhe in the middle. You have... You, yeah, I, like if, if this meet comes out to play, it's going to be the most interesting, this most spectator-friendly meet that you're going to see currently in powerlifting. And I think it's only going to get better from here. And you do not get that at IPF Worlds. I don't care what anyone says. You do not get that at IPF Worlds. IPF Worlds, to me, is a great meet. It's like the Olympics to me. But it's always I'm watching one to two lifters within that weight class. Raw Nationals is more the meet where I'm watching one through ten. Or every single lifter in a primetime flight because they're all great lifters and you never know. Someone could break a huge all-time world record at one of these meets. Like, IPF Worlds just simply isn't that for me. And this meet surpasses all of it. I mean, it's really the Sheffield in the Americas right now. Yeah. And you, you mentioned a name. Maybe a mistake. But I'm just going to info that Russ plans to do this meet? No, no. I'm just saying, like, that's what you get if you do this okay. meet to its fullest capabilities. It. Well, I, I assume this is also... Also, one of the reasons I'm saying this is more competitive than IPF Worlds is because if we don't do IPF Worlds, I'm assuming, maybe not all of them, but you're going to have the Keikos, your Bryce, uh, uh, Russ. I, I'm sure there's going to be more that might hop in here. Because I know there's, they're, they're probably focusing more on IPF Worlds, but if that's gone, well, what else is there to do other than this Pro Open? I assume we're going to get even more. But like looking at the, the names here, I mean, like I haven't done the full research, but a little overview. I mean... Five of the top ten lifters based off a of good lift score in the world are in this meet. The only ones we're missing are Corolla, Keiko, Russ, and Leah. Other than that, we have them. We have Taylor, we have Amanda, we have Ashton, we have Austin Perkins, we have Heather Connor, we have Daniela Mello. That's the top ten. And of the ones I mentioned, two of those ones that are not in it are from the U.S. and probably – likely maybe are going to hop in if IPF Worlds is canceled. And what's even crazier is, I mean, one, two, three, four, there, there's, there might be five or six people on this list that could win this meet. Now I think we all look at it and we think Taylor's the favorite and I think he should be the favorite, not only because if he has the highest good list score, but he also makes his list. But like, 
you have legitimately somewhere between five to seven people who could be placing first and probably up to 10 people who could be battling for that top three to five spot. Yeah. Which, yes, like you said, there is there is no other meet in the world like that. Now, is there meets like the showdown with like John Hacks and whatnot? Yes, but that's an amazing meet, but no one's challenging John Hack. Yeah. Like he just kind of wins it usually if it's if it's sleeps. This legitimately could have upwards of five to ten people battling for top three and anyone being able to have a chance to win it does. Yeah. Which is unreal. No, and yeah, it's it's crazy and it's gonna be very interesting because there's gonna be really no weight classes involved. As far as like who is going to use it as their advantage, who's going to come in? Like Jamar Royster's on the roster. That dude's he could potentially squat seven sixty if he just stays at two hundred pounds. That that could be a thing that happens at this meet, or he can just like cut to like like I don't know like eight, or just walk around like at eighty eight kilos and be like, all right, well, I'm going to squat seven hundred fifty pounds today. I mean, it's not an official thing, but that's like. Um, or uh, officially at 83, where his weight class is, but it's still like the, it's going to be a really interesting thing that you see with these massive lifts from all these lifters, and you're going to see this crazy disparity, or this this this. It's going to attract to so many different fans because, yeah, I mean, a female could win this meet. A female is going to be competing with males at this meet, and that's really not the norm for any sport. Um, I, I like yeah. Exactly. What you're saying, this meet is unique in the sense, and it's also, I think, going to, uh, I think this is a kind of our, this is our Sheffield in a way, like, all right, well, you guys got Sheffield International uh, stage in America, we got this, and also, I don't know, uh, it'd be great to, like, you, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned uh, Corona and, uh, and uh, Leah, if it's a, if if it's a pro meet, there's nothing stopping us from inviting them. Yeah, in the future, other but, than getting getting possibly banned from the IPF. Well, nothing like nothing future, stopping like, really us. Yeah, nothing stopping us. We'll oh, do that. Yeah, nothing stopping. So uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, one thing here because you kind of mentioned earlier in the podcast about like people kind of semi complaining about men versus women. Actually, is extremely fair. Now. In the grand scheme of things, that a lot of meets, good lifts score biases men. And the issue is, is because on the women's side, there's greater outliers. Like there, there's a big, there's a bigger disparity between the top women and the average women versus the top men and the average men. And so that's why good lift score kind of tends to bias more towards men when you're looking at like the top hundred versus just like the top five. Within this, like the women are very much in it. Amanda can win it. Heather can win it. Um, Daniela's in the picture. Her training goes. Um, it, it's not biased. Like, I mean, up until Taylor putting up the score, Amanda had the highest good lift score in history. So like, it is truly a decently fair way for men and women to actually compete against each other in a way that, like you said, I don't know if we've had another sport be able to do that, which is even a cooler option. Like I, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I could, I think an argument could be made that that trumps IPF worlds for the fact that literally there is no sexes. It is who is the best lifter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, 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 obviously, it, we, there's merit involved in this. Like, I do enjoy we have it. Best, yeah, we, we have best lifters at IPF Worlds, but we don't have them going against each other. Yeah. And this will be literally a temp selection, men versus women, based off a good lift score versus just, like, who, who ends up being the best lifter at IPF Worlds. It's completely different. Like, that, this is tough. And it's a coaching element too. 
because you're not just going total. You got to be sitting there with a good list score calculator and trying to figure this out, which is that is going to be fun, fun slash very difficult to be sitting there trying to, to gauge good list score. Cause I don't even know if that's entirely possible. Like to, that's going to be really hard to do on the fly. I don't know. That'll be yeah, interesting. It, That'll be very interesting how especially, that plays out. Yeah, especially when you come into like the uh, thought of like fourth place, right? It's uh, fourth place, and also like thinking if you're within that range, and you don't know. Like I think based on the roster, you kind of have an idea who's going to be one through three or one through four. But you know, there. I think the fourth spot is actually really up for grabs uh, for a lot of lifters making improvements, and depending on what happens with IPF Worlds, if it happens or not, maybe more lifters will kind of come in and do this meet. Then that fourth spot becomes super interesting because you really don't know who's going to get it. It's yeah, this is going to possibly be like this biggest coaching test of a lot of these people's careers, where you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> as far as how you're going to have your attempt selections figured out. Uh, I mean, you're, you're going to be, it's going to be so crazy to see like Austin Perkins potentially getting his attempt selections figured out because of a man of, because of Heather Connors lifts. Like when yeah. is that ever set? <laughs> when is it ever set? Like, is there going to be a, a rivalry developed between Austin Perkins and like Heather Connor? I don't know why I'm picking those two lifters. <laughs> But Austin that would be is funny. underrated because or, we're taking Heather Connor over. Him. Or, or like, or Jesus <laughs> Oliveras is trying to get into fourth place, and you have Heather Connor potentially, potentially out pulling him to win. <laughs> that would be no sport has that. Yeah, no sport. Uh, this is something that we have. We may have over every single sport. You are never going to see a ninety-eight pound female potentially beat. A three hundred plus pound male in a power in a sports environment in a competitive field. Aside from this one, that is that is going to be the incredible part of this meet. Like I said, it only works because we have the elite. Because like the the primetime meets like that I did, Carolina primetime TBS. It doesn't work to combine men and women. Mm-hmm. It only works if you have the elite of the elite, and you have those outliers of Amanda Lawrence and Heather Connor and. and whatnot because you need that's the only way the good lift score kind of is able to actually work well and in this and with the roster it actually works to perfection mm-hmm. and it it has the chance to be one of the most amazing meets if not the most amazing meet in history because ah it's it's incredible like this if this goes how we think it can go and the USAPL is putting their chips into making this a norm like we're gonna have this pro division mm-hmm this this is the future in my opinion. Like this is the future of powerlifting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And Saber is our Dana White. I think he is. Uh, I mean, if you need a guy who's like the commissioner or person who's calling the shots on this, I think he's the guy who can actually do it. So I think that, like, I, I was talking to people. They're like, we need a guy to actually kind of step up and make these meets a thing, or you know, give them more authority over it. I think we actually found it. So yeah, the future is bright. I think initially though. Uh, and I, I already see it happen, which I, I think I could be on the uh, side of this. People kind of poking holes already with like who they see on the roster, who's signed up. Um, I think right now it's going to be, I think the way of inviting lifters, or not even inviting lifters, deciding who's going to do this meet is going to be a work in progress because the first time through, we are in a really weird situation because we don't know if IPF Worlds is happening. We don't know how the calendar's getting set up. We don't know what lifters want to do this meet or not. I mean, 
I wasn't going to do this meet, and then, you know, kind of just thinking about it more and seeing the roster, I'm like, you know what, this meet actually might be a pretty fun one to do, and a lot of lifters had the same uh, thought process, but I think now a lot of people seen the roster, and they think, okay, these are the lifters invited, and it wasn't the case. A lot of lifters uh, asked on email, and they were like, yep, yeah, you, you know, based on your previous lifts, based on your previous meet performances, you deserve to be in this meet. And I think, like, some of the omissions there, people just weren't quite understanding how this meet was playing out. I think the big one that was left off was Jesus Oliveris, and, yeah, like, he should have got an invite, but I think it was based on top 25 good lift points, which doesn't help super heavyweights at all. But I think the other factor was just simply emailing Sabre that you want to be on the roster, which I wasn't really totally made clear. No, because, like, I mean, hands up, I emailed Sabre to, for Sean. Um, and then I believe Sean asked Daniela. It wasn't like I knew that I could do that. I was just like, let's give it a shot and see what he says. And kind of, I, I think it's been made more clear now. And like I said, there, I don't think Sabre's doing anything wrong. Like, no. He's learning. We're all learning as we go through this. Um, but I think he's kind of made it clear now. This, I think it's going to be a 28 lifter meet. And right now the cutoff's 105 good lift score. And people from this roster could be bumped because he doesn't just want to like, okay, you can sign up and like, that's the roster. He wants the best. And so if like all of a sudden worlds gets canceled and Russ and Keiko want in and Bryce want in, all these people want in, there are people from this roster that could be bumped off because it's, it's the best get to sign up. Yeah. Kind of a a little bit of a weird thing and it's a little bit tough, but like he doesn't want just like anyone. He wants the 28 best, like, no way, fans or butts, and that is fair in the sense of the fact that like this is a meet just for someone to like like national sometimes to be able to just barely qualify for and get to compete with the best. This literally only the best want to do it. So whoever the best is that want to do it, they're in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I that would be interesting though to see lifters get bumped from that because I think there's outrage now. I think that'll actually be more outrage coming through if like and really, but it's, it's merited, right? We, we, if you have Keiko being like, "Okay, I don't get IPF rules. I want to do a meet." Like, there's a few 93s in there that lost to Keiko, so you have to bump them out of it. Same thing with some of the 83s. Like Russ wants to do it. Okay, you bump them out of it. I think the perfected system of it is going to be developed. Uh, I personally would love to see just top three guys get invited from each weight class in uh, guys and girls uh, from Raw Nationals, and that's how the meet is kind of set up. Whoever takes those invites, perfect, um, and then kind of figure out the roster from there. That's what I like because I would like to see just incentive to do well at Raw Nationals um, and really just not rely on your name, right? Because I think the names you see on there, uh, people are kind of scratching their heads like, okay, we see Ray Williams – but not Jesus Oliveras. What's the deal here? Like, let's that's let's that's call a spade a spade here. Ray Williams hasn't competed in, since 2019, and Jesus Oliveras has, and he's won Raw Nationals. But, but here's the thing: I I think probably Matt Gary or Ray Williams, like, oh, that's a meet I would like to do, and they just reach out to Saber. <laughs> like, I I think like when you see yeah. it just based on first impression, you're just assuming that Ray Williams got an invite and Jesus did it, which. It's, that's not, I, I'm almost positive that wasn't the case. And I think it, it's going to get perfected yeah, with how they get know. lifters there. Uh, it just, you know, inviting a base on top 25, making Raw Nationals well, be as, filler for the meet. I don't know. As well as, th- this is kind of a standalone pro meet. The assumption 
assuming we're leaving the IPF. I really think that's that's going to happen. If we do, the USAPL is going all in. That's the future. And if they go all in, there's going to be definitely more of a structure. It's not going to be like we're just going to have this pro meet like it is right now. Like it is, There's going to be tiers to probably pro meets. There's going to be skilled pro meets throughout the year. Obviously, I know Joe Panic is wanting one. The Arnold will be one. The Nationals will be one. It, it, it'll be much more clarified of what is pro meets. And I, I, I think bodybuilding has it right. Bodybuilding has pro cards. And I think it would be a great thing to earn a pro card because I think there's some prestige to that as well. That adds another element of the tiered system of powerlifting of, oh, not only did I go to Nationals, not only did I place top three, now I have my pro card or whatnot. Um, and that could also help to kind of, uh, if we eventually get the stipend pro lifters, that eventually helps to kind of clarify who's a pro lifter. But then from there, like in bodybuilding, you have pro meets, but then you have the Olympia and you have the Arnold Classic. Any pro can sign up for regular pro meets, but I, they, I don't believe they can sign up for the Arnold, and I don't believe they can sign up for the Olympia. The Olympia is a qualifier based off of, I believe, either one, your competitiveness in pro meets throughout the year you're placing from last year's Olympia. Like I think like the automatic, like top three or top five get reinvited to the Olympia. If you don't get an automatic, you have to do these other pro meets to get certain scores to then get an invite to the next one. So I don't, I don't know how that will work out. That would be something that needs a grand scale of all these people to coming together. But I think it would be great because I think bodybuilding has it right. They have a great system that no one complains about and it works really well. And I think the actual card aspect is a great way to do it, to be able to kind of differentiate that. And then like for the most part too, like once you get that pro card in bodybuilding, again, I might be wrong. I think you can use that for like a certain amount of time, but then if you don't compete, it goes away and you have to requalify. Yeah. But it can hold standard for a decent amount of time. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good idea there. Uh, I think if you're doing a pro, like especially within the sport, that would work. Um, I actually think always I've envisioned that it is like raw nationals being the playoffs, if you will, and then like based on your top three or the regular season, raw nationals is your like regular season. Based on if you get top five or top three, you get that's that's your that's your ticket like to earning your playoff spot, and then the playoffs are the Arnolds and the the pro invitationals and all those different meets. But, you know, I think right now so many things are being, being thought of. Uh, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm actually just excited to see any sort of really good professional structure and seeing how they go from it from there. Cause I don't think I'll be mad at like any sort of thing that, uh, as long as it's thought of with really good insight, logic, care, I think I'll be pretty happy with anything that they do because I love you. I really enjoy what you're saying. But also, I would like to see maybe just like puts uh, the, the fear I have is like Raw Nationals losing its prestige, and if you make like the top three even more important. But with your with your pro card, you're saying it actually it does make the top three like super important because it turns well, into you get pro cards. Let's say let's say t- let's say top ten at Nationals gets pro cards. Top three gets stipends. Okay, yeah, that's how you'd make Raw Nat like that. They actually and a stipend. You can qualify for it through other – there might be like a Super Bowl meet. The only people that get stipends and pay yearly as pros are top three at Nationals. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's – again, that's what – because my fear – because with the, with the pro invitational because there's no weight classes, then it turns into – because a guy like me actually gets really hurt without there being weight classes because like that's, that's how I'm successful. It's like within my weight class. Uh, good lift points still kind of hold up, but – 
I'm I'm not a big massive. I'm not a weight cut guy. I'm not a I'm not a guy who would cut weight to like help the uh, the the dots out a little bit or the good lift points. Um, but also like that that uh, just keeping the weight classes important in powerlifting. I think nationals will be that meet where your weight class is important. You have to qualify for this weight class in order to do a meet where there is no weight classes or to get your pro card or to get your sniping from top three. That's that's a, that's a situation there that I'm, I'm totally totally on board with because that still has the uh, still upholds the prestige and the competitiveness of raw nationals, which is it, it's still it, it's still something you want. You want like everything to be perfect. You want everything to be what it is and why it's great. Raw nationals, the competitive nature of raw nationals is the best part of raw nationals for a lot of people. And if you just build upon it from there, um, the Arnold is going to be better. Those pro meets are going to be better that are being worked out. Those, I mean, I mean, hell, I mean, we, the evolution of primetime meets, those could eventually become pro-level meets. Tears to it, but those could be pro-level meets on a local level. Yeah. And, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is like the pro open is, I'm being cliche with this analogy, but it's primetime meets on steroids. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's the ultimate primetime meet. It's what every, every but the only person currently capable of doing that is Saber outside of the USAPL because no one else has the money, the production value, and all that kind of stuff to like actually do like the elite of the elite primetime meet. Like this is this is the primetime meet we all dream of, and it's 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 coming to fruition. It's amazing. So yeah, it's just, it's just going to be awesome to see how. I mean, nothing's going to be perfect. I mean, Saber on the podcast said he's learned so much from every meet he does. I'm sure he's going to learn a ton from how to do this. Um, he already told me he's learned a little bit about social media over the last week. He's he's openly not social media savvy, and he learned that if you have one little little thing that you do wrong, social media is going to point that out in a very strong fashion. So yeah, of um, course, yeah, and of course, yeah. and really, but also inadvertently, inadvertently, he did something that is very valuable to this meet. He already created interest. For it, because it looked like there was a snub, mm-hmm. and there was some shit talking going on in the comments. Fans were in the comments. They were saying, "Why isn't Jesus there? What the fuck? Who are all these other people?" Then they start talking shit about the competitors who are on. That adds a motivation to lifters who are competing at the meet and feel like they're being they're, they're being uh, they're being disrespected by the fans. It already created interest inadvertently. I don't think that was an intent with announcing yeah. the roster. Well, that's what because he was he was. He made me some uh, out commentating, uh, which I won't be able to if, if Sean's competing. Um, but I mentioned to him. I said, "You understand, like you're you're feeling the negative. The fact of the matter, this was highly, highly positive. Like people are like, hey, it's like I said, it was kind of like a little bit of a mic drop. Like, okay, if we're not giving a lot of IPF worlds, we'll do our own, and it might be better. Yeah." Yeah, for sure. So. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think I it covers it covers a lot of bases here as far as because I can, I've, I've, been, I, I've talked to a lot of lifters who are like uh, they felt uh, a little bit disrespected by fans by saying you know they didn't deserve to be on the invite and this person does too. It's like all right, well you have storylines now. It's much easier to cover for it. So if I have someone on the show yeah. who wants to do an interview, we can talk about them being uh, possibly disrespected. Uh, by the fans, I don't know. It's more of those storylines is good, and I even think that 
negative, unless it's like, like uh, not like Kern negative publicity with Gracie V uh, sending out a shitty email to someone, that's not good publicity. That actually hurts Kern, uh, and it hurt her as well. This is actually, like, any publicity is good publicity, because you leave Jesus off the roster, and it wasn't inadvertent, it wasn't a, it wasn't a shot to Jesus on Sabre's part, it was just how the roster is being set up currently, but people are ready, you know, people are ready, sports fans are being sports fans ready. That's how they act, They or it's a knee-jerk reaction to almost everything, and it's good, it's actually good, I'm actually now more excited about the meet than I was yesterday, which doesn't even make sense, because it doesn't affect me, what happened, but a lot of lifters seem to be a little bit motivated to, to actually compete at this thing because what they see fans say. Yeah. It was, it was known that this meet was happening. Now I think it's mainstream with Empower looking that it's happening. Like, everyone knows this meet is now happening and they know it's on the roster. So, yeah, I think this kind of is a good segue. I, I don't know if you have any more to say. If you can, you can stop me real quick. But I think the next segue into our next one, because we're talking about it, is next year's Nationals. Um, something that was kind of – I overlooked it in the original email that was sent out. Um, because I was reading about the NAPN, like the nominations not being accepted and that stuff. I, I didn't see at the bottom where it said, okay, like here's what's happening for next year's nationals. They're one planning it for summer. That's the hope, which on, actually that will, that kind of has some connotations of thoughts of like, usually they don't do it in the summer because that's when IPF worlds is. We'll talk about that in a second. And then you have some more info on this, but I'm going to say my initial reaction. They did say they plan to follow a similar setup next year for nationals where it's a complete combined nationals, not raw nationals, not equipped as combined. And I, I don't know if this is going to be a, a normal thing now, but I'm going to use another office reference. I'm going to play a clip. This was my initial reaction to that. No, God! No, God, please, no! No! Oh. <laughs> we, we, we might start getting a lawsuit just on us if we keep on doing it with the office, but continue. <laughs> Oh, for, for copyright rules? I mean, that's on YouTube. I'm just playing YouTube. Oh, okay. Uh, All right, we're good. Yes, that was my initial reaction. I get COVID. I knew why we had to do it this year. My initial reaction is why would we keep doing that? Because there was there was just issues, the spectatorship and too much going on and not allowing enough lifters for the raw side and equipped or any of them. But I'll let you go. You have a little bit more inside info of kind of their thoughts here of why this might be a similar format going forward, and I'm not sure how they're going to do it, but you go yeah. ahead. Well, for, for I mean, working backwards here, uh, for it being in summer, I'm actually, I'm actually cool with it. I actually really like it being in June, especially with the vacation aspect of it. I actually do like the fact that it could possibly be in June, uh, and I think it's easier for a lot of people to do that. So as far as that goes, I, I'm, I'm happy with it, and I do think that's a clear indicator that we're possibly thinking about we have one step out the door for the IPF. But the reason why they're combining it all into this week, uh, I had a conversation. I apologize. I forget this lady's name at the airport. She recognized me from the national board meeting, and we were just discussing USAPL and IPF stuff, um, and also just, you know, USAPL developments going forward. Um, the I think the rationale behind this is it's easier for the USAPL to have it during one week because these referees, these judges, these officials, uh, spotters and loaders will have to make like three separate trips. They would have to make a trip out to Open Nationals, which is typically in the spring, Raw Nationals, which is in the fall, Bench Nationals, I apologize to all of our Bench National lifters, 
Uh, I don't know when yours is, but I believe that's all separated from each other. So it's like three separate national meets that they have to make those trips for all of them. They have to be there for every single one, and it's just a pain in the ass. It's hard to do, and really, I mean, the fun part is competing. The non-fun part is refereeing and spotting and loading and judging and doing all these things, like the -the behind-the-scenes work that make nationals amazing. That's the not-fun part, and you're constantly doing it over and over again. And really, here's the thing. Uh, This is just my opinion on things. And this is actually a compliment. This is It's not going to sound like a compliment to the USAPL, but it's actually a definite compliment, something that I, I respect them a lot on. I think they're in the mindset on trying to make this meet something that everyone can do, have a lot of fun, but also make sure that you're not, like, you're not overworking the people who make these meets great, which is... Your judges, your officials, your spotters and loaders, those people, and the USAPL officials, those people, even though they take the, the only time they get credit is if uh, only time you hear about it is if they do something wrong. Those people work their asses off and make sure you have a fantastic meet, you have a fantastic experience, and they're really just trying to make their job easier. Their mindset right now is not live stream views. I don't think it's not spectators. I don't think it's not for what we as sports fans want, which is a Raw Nationals being a week and we have a primetime session, we have one platform, we have this highly produced meet, I still don't think their mindset is quite there. I think their mindset is solely having a great Raw Nationals meet, having everyone there, having this awesome experience for all the lifters, and making the jobs easy for the people who make Raw Nationals great. I think that's the mindset and really... Even though I'm gonna, if I'm being selfish on it, I would of course love to see it be separated. I would love to see the prime time. I would love to see uh, one platform, not two platforms. I think that's a pain in the ass for the spectators. I think it hurts the spectators. That's my selfish view, but I respect their decision to do that because they are right in that sense. Spotters and loaders, judges, officials, the people who make the USAPL, the USAPL. They get work pretty damn hard for that, and they have to make multiple trips, and it just might not even be feasible. It's, it's just not. It's not the only thing that they do. Is raw nationals? They have lives. They have work. They have other things that they have to do, and you have to take two separate weeks off throughout the year. So I respect. I respect the decision from the USAPL. Disagree with it, but if you if you present that argument to me. I probably am just going to end up agreeing with you because it is the best thing to do for the people. Yep. That's where I said, and this action, no, no. After you told me that, it made a lot of sense, and I rescind that. I still hope some things are different, but I get that at the same time. Like, I don't know if people know, in 2019 Raw Nationals, they had such an issue that there was no jury um, through most of the meet. They didn't yeah. have enough referees for the jury. I also know to there's actually a referee being disciplined that I believe they wanted to not referee anymore, but they didn't have anyone to replace that referee at 2019 Raw Nationals mm-hmm. because there was issues coming. Um, they just didn't have enough. Um, that is a very, very tough thing. So I definitely get that. I, I hope in some way, though, like it, maybe it's elongated. Maybe it's like a 10-day event so that we can we can spread out the Raw side to maybe four days. And that, that here's, here's, the thing on top of, here's the thing on top of because uh, people have suggested that. The reason why we see Raw Nationals be at certain places 
is because it's such a long event. Like, they always, because people, I mean, myself included, until I got educated on it, it's like, well, why isn't it in New York? Why is it in Chicago? Why is it in this place? They can't find a venue that's going to take us out for 10 days. They will lose money doing that, especially because when we take these venues, they have other stuff going on that will make them money uh, or more money in the process. So if it's a 10-day event, we're, we're not, we're not going to find a venue that's going to hold us for 10 days. We're, it's just not going to happen. I mean, I think five days is a big ask, and that's why you're going to see it in the Western – you're going to see Lombard – Illinois become a destination for USAPL because they know the Weston Hotel can hold us for five days. They know that. They know Daytona Beach can hold us for five days. They know Spokane can hold us for five days. They know all these places. The rumor is, though, it's Vegas for the next Nationals, which, okay, I mean, I guess we're having our cake and eat it, too, because that's my favorite place to be in the world is Las Vegas, even though it would probably be off the strip, but... uh, if we're in Vegas, then I, if anyone complains about Vegas, then you just leave the USAP altogether because I don't, I don't fucking, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with you if you don't. Uh, well, if you don't. I wonder, wonder if we had some inter- interesting performances from uh, bad choices. Would this be? Would this be between the? We're usually in the NBA bubble by being in Lombard, not having much to do. But now, now are we? Uh, I might be. I might be the biggest problem. I get that. I, I might be the biggest awesome. problem I, if I that's the case. I just. I would. Be, <laughs> you might, uh, I might miss weigh-ins because I'm so. so I mean, the other thing, I, I mean, the other, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would be, I would, unfor- I would be disappointed if the raw side continues to be a two-day event. Yeah. Um, because I think it pulls away from what is. I mean, people can be pissy that we're not hyping up equipped or bench, but guess what? I mean, people are coming there for raw. That, it was, it was easier for. That's the now, thing. I it do, was easier for bench and equipped on this too. They were complaining about equipping on the same day. They had the best. They actually had the best setup out of all of us, having it on that Saturday. Single ply lifters having it on the Saturday. They had the best setup out of all of us. Like having the having the biggest performers compete at eight a.m. on uh, within the Raw Nationals was a shitty way of doing things. It actually takes the piss out of the other lifters who are either going before or after that. Then it hurts the, the people who actually spectate. If you want more eyes to be on the USAPL. So the single ply can complain all they want, but they had the, they actually had the best thing going. It was on Saturday and all day. Yeah. And I also think, so this is speculation. If we leave the IPF, where the likelihood of the biggest split will happen is the equip side. Yeah. Um, yes, there'll probably be a split with a new affiliate, and some of the raw people will leave, but I don't think it'll be as much as the equipped will leave. I think we will see more equipped people leave. So I wonder, I don't know. I just wonder how much equipped would even be a thing next year at nationals if we leave and if there's a big split. So that'll also be something to see, but I don't know. I, I just hope that raw can be at, at least, I would say it needs to be at least four days to be able to split things up um, and have, I mean, unless they're going to change the qualifying totals, like, there's no way they're fitting all the people. Not that won't happen. Even if they do four platforms, that would be very difficult to do. So I don't know. I don't know how they plan to do it. I trust that they're going to figure it out. I definitely think it makes a ton of sense 
of what they're saying with the volunteers, because that is a very, very hard thing. Even a local meet, it's hard to get volunteers, let alone trying to get all these people to come out from multiple national events. So actually, I, I agree that that's a good idea, as long as they can figure out how to make sure that this can be able to um, still have the same um, spectator ability um, and be able to bring back prime time and be able to have things laid out in a manner that's that's convenient and best suited for the lifters. So Yeah. Yep, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I mean... Any development would be good development as far as calendar goes. I think with uh, the IPF looming, the calendar situation is getting to be uh, kind of kind of a point of interest as a competitor because I don't know what's going on. Like if if we do end up leaving the IPF, what's going on with the Arnold? What does the Arnold mean? Like I, I would hope to get some uh, information on the calendar soon and some uh, and some uh, and some confirmation that they're switching it to summer because yeah, I was I was informed that that was an idea. And I was at first like, oh, God, really? We're going to do that? And then when it was explained to me, I was like, all right, you know what? I can't argue against it. Um, that's uh, that's a really big feature of Raw Nationals is the and, – and even even so, like it is it, – it's a, it's a great weekend for a lot of us. And, you know, I know these, the, the, the officials have a great time, but they do not get the fun of Raw Nationals like we do. They are ma- they are making that sacrifice so we have that awesome experience that we have at Raw Nationals. They are, but some of those some of those people become national referees so that they can be a part of it. So I don't want to say they hate it. No, I'm not saying they. Yeah, I'm saying it's a great. Yeah, they, they enjoy it. So that's that's the sacrifice that. they make. There are a lot of people that because that's actually I mean like I actually have a I have a couple of masters lifters and that's actually kind of like what they thought about. It's like okay like. I'm eventually might not lift anymore. Like uh, that's why we tend to see masters lifters being referees. A lot of times that's their way to kind of continue in a national, in a national mm-hmm. way in the sport. And they really, really enjoy it. Uh, I, I don't, but that, that is a thing. Um, but yeah, it's even with that, it's still hard because they aren't doing this full time. They have jobs and like, you have to be able to plan things around and get vacation time and be able to like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. So I get that. But um, I, I trust that USAPL will figure that one out as well as like even if, if we've got these pro level meets, it's, it's only gonna there's only gonna be more, more opportunities, to big prime time sessions, and have all these people out there and, and whatnot. So, yep. On that, I, I think, think that's about all I've got on that. Unless you want to, yeah, I think that's about it for two white lights today. Uh, very good returning episode. We will get back into the regular format of us talking about a topic. Us talking about some things that are going on in powerlifting, some meet previews coming up. We got the Texas Summer Open. It's happening very, very soon. I think we're sitting at four weeks out from that, so we'll have that going. Also, um, if you guys saw on Instagram, I'm moving to Houston, so that's going to be a potential big thing for Two White Lights. I don't know if you guys know this, but Texas is uh, really powerlifting friendly, and there's a lot of good powerlifters. There's a lot of good people out here. We might get a lot. We might get the most amount of content with this move. You know, one benefit of you going to Texas. What that is going to be underappreciated. That your girlfriend's sitting right there, and there's no notifications in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I see her laughing back there. <laughs> Hello. So yeah. I there's there's no notifications popping up this time. It was a completely clean podcast. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I did that. I mean, it's probably going to happen, but uh, it's probably going to happen regardless. But also, I mean, speaking of notifications, based on, you know, a a few generous donations, 
a uh, few people really, you know, supporting two white lights, it might not be on my laptop anymore. We might have a more sophisticated system yep. where I don't yes. get emails and text messages and, um, you know, relying on the Wi-Fi because I have the – and actually it's telling me right now as I'm talking to you, my internet connection is unstable. We might have uh, a, a different setup going and this it might all be due and credited to me moving to Houston. And uh, I would say the powerlifting mecca in the United States, this is San Antonio – so um, it's going to be some great – if you're a 2 White Lights fan, it's going to be some great stuff uh, coming on because I've seen more powerlifters that I've competed with this week just being in the city than pretty much like my entire time in Illinois because that's, that's kind of how Texas is. So what you're saying is I'm useless here in Missouri where nothing's happening. you got to move to Houston. Move to Houston, Steve. Open well, a gym. Everyone's doing it. Open a gym. It's easy. A possibility, but <laughs> everyone's open opening a gym. Yeah, open a gym. I will Houston. never open a gym. <laughs> I will. Why I will not? Never, man? Yeah, I will. Even if I'd like to, it would be cool to live in Houston. I would never in my life open a gym. I used to dream of that. I will never open a gym. If anyone wants to know why they should not open a gym, feel free to message me. I'll explain oh. all the financials and how powerlifting gyms are about the worst thing ever to open up if you actually want to make money. All right. Well, as long as money's not an issue, the two white lights gym should uh, be uh, a point of a point of interest for you. But uh, the two white lights part, of, yeah. But Houston, like everyone's everyone's opening gyms out here. It's like powerlifting gyms are growing on trees. I have to, I actually have to choose what gym I'm going to train. Well, also, well, maybe donations are to make sure Angelo can have access to all gyms, or maybe these gyms are going to give free memberships to Angelo so that Two White Lights can have a presence in all gyms and hype them all up. I'll exactly. say that plug for you. I already stated I do not uh, get a membership at a gym that doesn't have a Two White Lights banner. So right now I am going to be a member of Project Strength. So if you guys, if Corrupted Strength wants to just put a Two White Lights banner up in there too, I'll consider it. Now consider going to Russ's gym for membership or occasionally, but not if they don't have the two white lights banner. It's a it's a package deal. You got to get a banner yeah. if I'm going to be the member. Here, that there's the there's the stipulation. Yeah, yeah. For Angelo membership. Yep. Yeah, and increased very, clout. Yeah, it's a very them. very valuable membership to have. Uh, you got to you got to you got to watch me. Uh, you get to watch me look at my phone and analyze every single one of my lists for way too long uh, in between sets. But And Itali- Italian diversity. Yes. Uh, to, I mean, that very, that's a very sure thing nowadays. Yeah, that's that's important. But yeah, on that note, that's it for Two White Lights. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.